Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You're listening to Search for Truth. I'm John Martin, and in a few moments we'll have another talk from Brian Johnston, our Search for Truth Bible teacher. And the series is called Tomorrow's Headlines. Today, Brian looks at how Bible prophecy may indicate a new exodus and a born-again Israel. I'm reminded that God wishes to make all of us new, or spiritually reborn, as Jesus put it to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of the Gospel by John. Let's all make sure that we benefit from God's plans for this world, and take heed for ourselves, remembering that God holds the future of the world in his own hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got everybody here in his hands. He's got the whole. God's not finished with Israel yet. We're indebted to the Apostle Paul for making that clear. In his letter to the Romans, he begins chapter 11 by repeating, God has not rejected his people. He concedes a temporary, purposeful rejection, but not a final, absolute one. For he argues that if their rejection is the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? He then explains further, in verse 25, that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. After God has shown favour to Gentiles, and what greater favour could there be than the spread of the gospel worldwide? He will once more show mercy to Israel. In support, Paul quotes the prophet Isaiah, A deliverer will come from Zion. He will take away their sins. It was these considerations that drew from the Apostle Paul the breathless admiration, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Why has God put so much prophecy in the Bible? For one thing, to remind us he's sovereign. The future belongs to him. Surely it has the effect of keeping us humble when we realise that our times truly are in his hand. It ought to bring us to our knees in worship, for the awesome divine wisdom displayed through God's plan of salvation for Jew and Gentile. There have been times in history when Israel seemed down and out. In the times of the Pharaohs, their prospects might have seemed dim to any human observer. But God flexed his muscles on behalf of this people, and with an outstretched arm, as the Bible records it, he brought them out. Theirs was a wonderful exodus, through the Red Sea, and on towards the land God had long before promised to their ancestor, Abraham. Once again, little Israel is on the ropes. She has few friends in the Middle East, if any. Many forecast again that her prospects are dim. But through the Bible prophet, Ezekiel, God sends out a different message. What's more, there's an interesting pattern to God's message through Ezekiel a pattern which invites us to make comparisons with what happened before when God brought them out from under Pharaoh. Just as God once brought Israel out of Egypt to bring them into their own land, God has made promise to Ezekiel 
about a future exodus. At a time in history when the Babylonians had just finished reducing Jerusalem to rubble, God makes this promise. For I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to observe my ordinances. And you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers. So you will be my people, and I will be your God. When God brought Israel out of Egypt, it had been a new start for the nation, like a new birth. But even that pales in significance, alongside the future vision of a nation being reborn. That was the vision Ezekiel now received. For God gave his prophet a vision of a valley, and it was full of bones. He said to me, prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Today, Israel is partially regathered into its ancient homeland. But the time is still to come when the whole of Israel will be regathered into that land. A nation that's been reborn will finally recognise that its deliverer, its Messiah, is none other than Jesus the Nazarene. This is when the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 11.26 will be fulfilled, words which we were mentioning at the beginning today. A deliverer will come from Zion. He will take away their sins. One listener has written in to take issue with the fact that Christ-hating Jews of today will ever be converted. But wasn't that indeed the very case with Saul of Tarsus? How can we underestimate the grace of God when we too merited only the judgment of God? And we've already seen how four major covenants in the Old Testament can never be satisfied unless God again takes up his dealings once more with his ancient people. The reason we've already referred twice to Paul's letter to the Romans is because that's where we have the interlocking of God's purposes for Jew and Gentile explained side by side. We've been following Ezekiel's parallel with Israel's historical exodus from Egypt. After freeing his people long ago, God instructed them to build a house or sanctuary for him so that he might live among them. From Exodus chapter 25 onwards, we read of the details of the historical sanctuary known as the tabernacle. 
Well, in the future too. After the redemption of his people, God once again instructs them to build him a house or sanctuary. In chapter 43, God says to Ezekiel, This is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet, where I will dwell among the sons of Israel forever. As for you, son of man, describe the temple to the house of Israel, that they may be ashamed of their iniquities and let them measure the plan. Yes, history is going to repeat itself. In Exodus chapter 40, when Moses had supervised everything being built to God's satisfaction, there was a description given of how God's glory filled the tabernacle. So with Ezekiel, the same pattern continues. For Ezekiel says, The Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court, and behold, the glory of the Lord filled the house. So far, the pattern has included God delivering his people, instructing them to build him a sanctuary or temple, and then God himself coming to take up residence in it, as shown by the presence of a visible glory. But there's more. Historically, when God gave details of his sanctuary, which they were to build for him, along with the construction details, he included information about the clothing of the priests. In Ezekiel, he does the same thing again in relation to worship in this future temple. Here are to be its operating instructions. The Levitical priests, the sons of Zadok, who kept charge of my sanctuary when the sons of Israel went astray from me, shall come near to me to minister to me, and they shall stand before me to offer me the fat and the blood, declares the Lord God. They shall enter my sanctuary. They shall come near to my table to minister to me and keep my charge. And it shall be that when they enter at the gates of the inner court, they shall be clothed with linen garments, and wool shall not be on them while they are ministering in the gates of the inner court and in the house. Linen turbans shall be on their heads, and linen undergarments shall be on their loins. They shall not gird themselves with anything which makes them sweat. Here again, objections may be raised regarding the apparent return to animal sacrifices. A literal reading of this section certainly demands a return to animal sacrifices. But how can this be realistic after Christ's once-for-all sacrifice has taken place? Might it not be that these future sacrifices are intended to look back to the only sacrifice of real worth, the Lord's sacrifice, in the same way as they once pointed forward to it? What had previously taken place in ignorance will be done again in the future with real insight. To complete the parallel between the historical exodus and this prophesied exodus, Ezekiel finally describes the land of Israel being divided up between the tribes. He says this, So you shall divide this land among yourselves according to the tribes of Israel. And that's just as we find earlier in the book of Numbers, as happened historically. With Paul, we say again as we see this pattern, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. Thank you, Brian. 
I'm finding the study of these prophecies is certainly very interesting. So thanks on behalf of everyone listening for the work you've put in, Brian. Maybe as you've listened, some questions have arisen and you'd like to know more. If you'd like to ask Brian about anything you've heard today or earlier in the series, then the address to contact Brian is Search for Truth, Box 246, Bolton, England. If you'd like the free booklet that goes with this series, ask for the title Tomorrow's Headlines and send it to the same address, Search for Truth, Box 246, Bolton, England. Listeners in Australia should write to Search for Truth, Box 748, Ringwood, Victoria 3134. If you prefer email, the address is sft at churchesofgod.info. And you can also visit our website. It's www.searchfortruth.net. So, thanks once again for listening, and I hope you can join us at the same time again next week. Until then, this is John Martin saying goodbye, and God bless you. Then my soul, my Savior, to thee.